What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Average Money Podcast. Somber podcast for us tonight. Got some bumming news, but with all bumming news, sometimes comes a good learning opportunity. So we're actually kind of excited to talk about it. We definitely want to get it off our chest. People have been asking about it. It's, you know, not to let the full cat out of the bag or spoiler alert, but it's about those two properties that JJ and I were under contract. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome. You're going to get a look at the real estate portion of JJ and I's talks. My name is Brad Finn. I am joined every week with the one, the only JJ Buckner. JJ, what are you drinking tonight, bud? I'm drinking a cupful of tears. <laughs> looks like the yellow tears. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe get that checked out. Don't drink the yellow tears. Oh, man. No, I'm uh, drinking a hazy IPA tonight. And it's not a good one. It's old beer that's been sitting in like the back of the fridge for a while that you know you ah, finally need to drink. That's how you know you need a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do have a Natty Light in the fridge and I'm saving for something special tonight. I don't know what it's going to be, but I don't know when to crack it up or crack it open. So I know there's people in the chat. There's going to be questions about these real estate properties. We want to make this a lesson. Like we want to, especially from coming from my side of like, this was my first one. I was so excited to the lessons that I learned as a first time real estate investor. So there's going to be, um, yeah, there's going to be some stuff going on. Some things we yeah. got to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, to back it up, we've never really talked about us getting the deal um, in the first place because we wanted to kind of wait. Right. You talked about it in your YouTube video, but we didn't really right. talk about it on here. We knew we were going to wait to see what happens. Yeah. I made a video about it on YouTube and we decided we wanted to wait to get through until actual closing to like actually make an actual podcast about it. Luckily we did. Um, but to, to kind of start off, I want to start and Brad, you can chime in whenever you want, but like where, where we found the deal, how we found the deal, kind of what the deal looked like, what our expectations were, what are, what happened that we had to get the deal and all this. Cause to start off, well, I'll get to this in a second. I know I'm going to get ahead of myself a lot here, but the first thing is Brad and I are both investing in a market that we both don't live in. I'm about four hours away and Brad's about a three hour flight away. So it's in, we're, we're looking in the market of Kansas city. The reason we're looking in Kansas city is because my wife and I used to live there. I know the markets there pretty well. Um, I also own two of my own rental properties in Kansas City, and it's just a I have a I have a team built there already. I got my realtor I use, I have my property manager I use. I know some connections in you know from different plumbers or whatever, whatnot. You know, people to handyman, which now my property manager takes care of all that. But it's nice having a team built up, and it kind of brings that like comfort factor. It's not like I'm having to go in and start something brand new and, and fresh. So we start looking for properties and we've been looking for a while. I mean, Brad, I mean, it's been. Yeah. I mean, we've had the podcast for a little over a year. And I think when it's first started to generate income, I want to yeah. say we legitimately started thinking about real estate in like March or April. Like I had definitely, yeah. I definitely come to see you. Like at that point, we'd hung out a few times and we built a little more trust than just like two friends on the internet and things like that. I knew where you lived. You knew where I lived. I knew how many guns you had. You knew how (laughs) many guns I had. Like, so we were ready to like, you know, make that jump into bromance and essentially legal marriage and look for properties. I mean, and it also was a lot of discussion back and forth 
um, on how much we wanted to put down. We love investing in the stock market. You were also looking for deals on your own, you know, with your own wife doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. So we had to make sure that the ones that you and I were going to do were outside the criteria for your wife and, and, and yourself. And, you know, that made things interesting. And then summer happened and we made a deal. We made a deal fucking like every week and yeah. we weren't even getting callbacks. You, you have an agent and she's not even getting called back and we're going like 20% over ask. It, it was ridiculous. One of the deals we found was a fourplex and it was oh, such a good deal. And then, man, I'm thinking about it now. It, it's probably even worth another 20,000 on top of what it was when we, when we, maybe even more than that than when we bought it for anyways, yeah. or what we could have bought it for. Yep. So there was this deal that popped up and this was, you know, this was a while ago, like Brad said, back in summertime. And we went like $25,000 over asking or something like that for this fourplex. Didn't even get a, you know, a thank you or a reply or anything. It was just like, nope, you didn't get it. There was like 700 other offers here. You're not even close, you know, see you next time. Yep. So that's kind of the situation, you know, that's kind of what we've been in. And then also like, yeah, it would be nice to find some off-market deals and whatnot, but it's so hard for me to do that because I'm not in Kansas City. I don't have the leeway to just get up and go when I find a potential deal to go scope it out because I can't my realtor go look at all those. She's you know, She won't get anything out of it. So with that, we're relying a lot on the MLS for deal finding, which right now, as a lot of you probably know, is very difficult. Can it be done? Absolutely. Can it, it can be done. Both both of my first deals came off the MLS. So I'm not saying it can't happen. But I'll also say when you're buying something off the MLS, you're probably paying a bit higher than what you would, you know, if you were buying it off market, if you found it. And it's it's it is harder to find something off market. But right. anyways. Stumbled across the this these two uh, listings. It was two duplexes. They are right next to each other, um, identical. They were both. Can I press pause on you real quick, Jay? For sure, go ahead. Back to that like educational piece. Can you just go through before we actually get into this deal? You said you have a lot of resources and stuff for somebody that's looking to go out of their area. Mm-hmm. What are team members that are helping us out? Like what? What should people be thinking of and maybe from your experience in what order were those people hired on or were they a blanket you had to find each one of these Mm. people or it wasn't going to work? Yeah, so my situation's a little different because my property manager was actually my realtor that I bought my first home with. Okay. So She did uh, both? She Well, no, she didn't. Okay. Um, She was a realtor at the time. So this, when I bought my first house, it was whenever my wife and I were living out, Lindsay and I were living out in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And we actually bought our first home as a married couple with not even seeing it. We bought it from while we we were still living in Hawaii. And we did this because one, we just needed a place to live and we knew we weren't buying like our forever home. It just needed to be something we could live in for a few years or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I, f- I found this this realtor who's now my property manager. Her name's Teresa, which I told her she she's open to come on the podcast. I think that'd be an awesome episode. But anyways, I actually called her because she was a listing agent on a townhome that I was interested in while we were in Hawaii. I was just looking on like Zillow and stuff. And she was like the agent who listed it. So I called her. I was like, hey, I don't have an agent who's representing me. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about this property? You know, this is what we're looking for. We're in Hawaii. Our situation's a little different. You know, long story short, she ended up, you know, go going house shopping for us in in Kansas City while we were in. She would just Facetime us, you know, as she would do walkthroughs or whatever. 
And so we, she bought our first home and then we kept our, we kept the relationship alive. She'd like stop in and say, Hey, and like, you know, we text back and forth. And I always told her that I was like, I'm wanting to get into real estate. You know, I, I kind of had that epiphany when I was out in Hawaii, whenever my, you know, I wasn't doing anything. And, you know, when you don't do anything, your mind kind of wanders and you start innovating your life and what you really want to do. And that's kind of what I stumbled across was real estate. So kind of told her my goals, my, you know, next five years, what I want them to look like. And she's like, oh, funny enough, I actually came from Vegas. She moved from Vegas to Kansas City, I don't know, a few years ago, whatever. And um, she said, I used to manage properties out there, rental properties. And she's like, I was thinking about starting up a property management company here in Kansas City because I think this town could really use one. And she's like, well, maybe one day I'm managing your properties, like a joke. Ha ha ha, I know, so funny. Well, now she's literally managing my properties because she stopped being a realtor to be to open her property management business and it's exploding. It's really? exploding because she is a boss, man. And then it's like, you know, like once you get that word of mouth that starts spreading, I mean, she's like, she just can't even take on some investors because she's growing so fast. Wow. Yeah. I mean, investors are leaving other managers to come have her manage the property because she's that good. Do you think, I mean, do you think she's more, like you said, you have a rare situation, right? That yeah. you kind of yeah. knew who she was. Do you need a realtor? And a property manager, do, do you, should you get both? Like, I feel like those are kind of like on equal yeah. value. You need, if you're going to do this out of area, you're going to need somebody to manage the property, but you also need somebody to help you with the property. So those yes. two are kind of like on par. What about anybody else that people need to think of? So you got property manager, you have a, an agent that's working for you while you're there. That's probably it to get started. I mean, like, because I was I was about to get to that. I know that was a long story, but um, yeah, I, I think the first two you need to look for is first a realtor, right? Because you need to have somebody who one kind of knows. Like, and here's the thing: you need to find someone who's like an investor friendly realtor. Like, you want somebody who's worked with investors before, because some realtors may not know how to look at a, a property as an investor. You know, they may be looking as like a first time home buyer realtor versus yeah. like an investor realtor. And one way to do that is you can ask for referrals. So there's a couple different outlets you can do this by is the first one is look for like a, whatever town you're investing in. Like, let's say you live in California, right? And you want to invest in Indianapolis, Indiana, and you can go find like a Facebook group for like real estate investors in Indianapolis. And then in that Facebook group, if it's pretty active, which I'm sure there's one somewhere in any major city, you just say, hey, I'm a newer investor or I'm an investor looking for a property manager. Who do you guys recommend? Who do you guys use? And if you see a name pop up there more than once, then more than likely it's probably a solid name. Right. And then you can call them and you can interview the property manager. And there's questions online. You can like do Google searches on like top five questions to ask your a property manager in an interview or whatever and see if they answer them correctly. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest thing. And then a realtor, same thing. Same thing with applies. Ask Facebook, you know, go to Facebook groups and there's probably realtors in there. So they, you know, they're in a good spot and you can use them. And, and, and also they'll look for referrals though. You know, the referrals yeah. is the biggest thing. That's, that's the biggest thing. You can also look on, on bigger pockets as well. Bigger pockets is another great resource. Uh, you can kind of put forms in or go into forums and say, Hey, I'm i uh, I'm looking to invest in Jacksonville, uh, you know, Mississippi, or I don't know. I'm just making up crap right now. Um, or Jack is it Jacksonville, Florida? I don't even know. This I Any, think there's both. I think there's yeah. Both. Okay, cool. I got myself <laughs> covered then. Um, then you can say the same thing. You know, go to that forum for Jacksonville investors and bigger pockets and ask who they use for the realtor and ask who they use for the property manager. Those are probably your first two 
right. you really need to focus on because the realtor is going to find you the property. At least, you know, they're going to look for, at the property for you if you find one. And then second, if you get the property, you need to have a spot, you know, to put the property in management for. I would say your, your third one to have is probably a mortgage lender. Ah, oh, that's what I was going to add. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah. like, um, I didn't know if that was just like we used one this time or if because... I did find out like when you were looking for one that would do us as, as a business because you had one for the personal, but finding one that would do one with the business, we had to shop around. And then we kind of established a relationship where the first time we got a pre-approval letter, it took a couple of days, but now we're just like, boop, boop, boop. And he's like, stand. And he just, so I think that I was going to add that for, I didn't know if that's every one or what about like insurance too? Cause that's another thing we had to shop around oh, yeah. for. We had to get an insurance quote, but I mean, those kind of can come, you can kind of start shopping for those, you know, after you land something with their agent. You can, but I would say at least have an idea within a couple hundred bucks of what you think, like have an idea of what insurance rates are going to be in that area you're investing. Because if you're doing your numbers and an analysis and your insurance comes up and you're putting, you know, $1,200 a year for insurance, and then you go to get that quote and you're under contract on that property and it comes back and it's $3,500 a year, well, then your cash flow is going to look a lot different (laughs) than what it looked like when you were uh, analyzing it. So You were going to say analyzing it. I was. You were going to say now size. Thanks, dude. Thank you. <laughs> you can edit that part out. I, I, I heard it coming. I heard analyze. Oh, my God. Do you also want to add, before we get to this particular deal, um, what we were actually looking for? Like, what was kind of our criteria? Because I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, and like I said, this is going to be a lot of you talking because you've taught me so much, that think it's all duplexes, quads, triplex, whatever, but we we have single family on our radar. We're kind of looking at everything. Is there anything we don't want? Probably like I really don't want to do like mobile homes. Right. That's probably like I also don't really want to get into like section 8 housing. Okay. Um like I I think like my my sweet spot this and the, again this is different for any investor. But I feel like my sweet spot is like that blue collar middle class neighborhood you know like they're they they're these they structure classes by like a b c d f class i like to be in like the b c class range because a couple reasons you know like if a recession happens my thought process is maybe the people in the blue class neighborhood they have to go down in value and lifestyle a little bit well, the same thing is going to apply with the tier up above. You know, that tier up above an A class or like B plus class, they're going to have to step down just a hair for cost of living. If something happens, we have a real big recession. That's the thing with real estate is somebody always needs a place to live. And you know what? Here's a, here's a good point, Brad, that I haven't really talked to anybody about yet, but I'm seeing that, and this is kind of getting on a tangent, but I think this is really good. We can I'm, do that. We do I, that. Yeah. I'm seeing, and I want your kind of thought on this too, since I bring it up. So I'm seeing a lot of Airbnb craze right now, right? And I think Airbnbs are are crazy because the cash flow I'm seeing from some of these Airbnb properties are absolutely nuts. I mean, it's just it is just light years away from what cash flow looks like on like a typical long term rental. And for 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 the most part, like a lot of these Airbnbs, if something would happen to like a recession or whatever then you could turn in a lot of them, you could turn into a long-term rental. You could. Yeah. But a lot of these Airbnbs I'm seeing that people are spending high six figures for that are like resorts, 
you know, like they're like the six bedrooms, four baths, and they got the pool table everywhere and whatever. Like that's a little harder to rent out as a long-term rental during a recession. Yeah. Like you don't want to overprice yourself. That's the first that's the first place. And I've always heard this from, you know, listening to podcasts and reading books in real estate. In real estate, the first places that always go in recessions are vacation rentals. Mm-hmm. Because people stop going on vacation during recessions because they got to save their money. Yeah. So that's again a tangent, but that's something I wanted to like. I've been always had in the back of my mind because like I keep feeling like I have this like FOMO of not having an Airbnb yet because mm-hmm. I see all these people talking about it and the cash flow they're getting. And uh, you know, I would I would get into it. Don't get me wrong, but I would also want to get into one that I know I could turn into as a long term rental if something bad happened to the economy. Yeah, you need a you need an exit strategy. You need a plan B. Absolutely. To where I see like a lot of these people that are buying these higher end Airbnbs, I'm like, e, what's going to happen? Right. You know, and I'm not saying that nothing will happen, but if something happens, I'm very risk adverse person. You know, what happens? And that's kind of that thing like what goes with stocks. Like you don't put all your eggs in one basket. And if you're, if you're only investing in real estate as like vacation rentals for Airbnbs, that may be a little dangerous down the road. So relive the call that you made to me about these two duplexes. Oh man, speaking of that, I don't even know if we should go into the whole night, but <laughs> and what that turned into. But so I But not even Brad. when we got it. Like when you first oh, told oh, me yeah, about yeah, yeah. when you first told remember. me about it. You no, know I mean, but you know what you'd say. Oh yeah. Because it wasn't uh it was an interesting deal. It wasn't a traditional deal. So there were a lot of variables. A lot of variables. Okay. So and if I miss anything, jump in here and take hey. over. But um so I, I this so I get you emails. do more you mo, you do most of the looking yeah like you come to me with deals I I don't have that team you have a relationship with them so every time there's something you're the first to find out yeah I get emails every single morning of properties that come on the market but I also am looking you know on Zillow or whatever and I have you know my my realtor she'll give me a text or something if she sees something coming on the market or that she's heard someone talk to about or whatever. And in these, I got this email one morning and it was of the two duplexes because I got two separate emails. I get one for single family homes and I get one for multi, I get one for multifamily homes. I read the, the, the multifamily email first and I saw the duplexes and I know this is how I know the market. So I can, the first thing I look at is the zip code and I look at the zip code and I look what town it's in. And then I, that kind of justifies what I'm looking at. So I know the zip code in the town that this duplex came up. And usually the ones I see are in the town, an area that's like, eh, there's like pockets of like okay spots and good spots, mostly eh spots. So this town is really good. It's actually the same town where I purchased my second parental property, the townhome. And so I saw it and I was like, oh, wow, these look, these look pretty decent. And then I was like, I'm thinking about the price and just like a real quick like head calculation, like, a, a, you know, riding down on a napkin or whatever. And I'm like, oh, wow, this could this could potentially work. So I like run upstairs. I, this is what I do. Anytime I think I find a deal, I open my spreadsheet and I start going to town. I'm typing in my numbers, what I think is going to be my management fee, what I think real uh, insurance will be, what I think taxes are and taxes I can usually find online. Um, By the way, that know. needs to be a TikTok because I always picture you doing that. Like that's got to be your, you got to, that's got to be your TikTok idea. tomorrow. Like down in your kitchen at like your Island, like with the sound, boop, 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 like that happy one. Yeah. Like you just need to like look at your phone 
and then like spin your wheels like up the stairs like yeah. you have to have Lindsay film you like tripping your way up the stairs I like that idea. and then have her go up to the top of the stairs and start another one you coming around the corner like running to the computer <laughs> I should do that because <laughs> if anybody can act it out it's you I, I can think of these things but like I wouldn't be able to execute them anyway so yeah. you so I see you at the computer you're like dee, 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 dee. then what yeah so I'm running through my numbers and I'm, I'm you know I'm expecting so okay so for example these these units are already rented out now here's a big tip here for this kind of episode and guys like i'm no expert in real estate like i literally only own two rental properties but like these are just some of the things i've learned along the way so these the off so this was two duplexes and duplexes there's two units per building so four doors total all four doors were rented out and i saw i got the information from my realtor of how much each door was rented out for and it was a range of like 800 to 895 or 875 or whatever and I knew that was way under market for current rents because I just rented my property out for eleven ninety five in that same town, and it was about as big as these other duplexes that we were looking at. So then I'm ex- I'm thinking I'm like, okay, so these are a little overpriced for the current rents, but the current rents could be definitely be you know upped to get closer to market rents. And two of the rents were or two of the leases were month to month, which means you can up the rents right away. Um, and the other ones were still on leases. So you had to wait to up those. So that's, that's the things I was thinking about. But, and then I did the math. I was like, okay, if I know roughly I can ex- expect to get this in rent for each unit, I plug that in for my total rent, you know, blah, 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 everything calculates out. And then I saw the cash flow and my eyes just like lit up. I was like, holy crap. I was like, you're looking for I an mean, error. You're looking for an error in your spreadsheet. Like where, literally, where, did, I, where did I miss a decimal? <laughs> yeah. Literally rechecked it, you know, a hundred times. Anyways, I call Brad. I'm like, hey, Brad, I got this deal. There's two duplexes. It's four doors. And Brad's like, hold up, four doors? So I can count. I can actually say I have five doors now? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, no, dude, for real, like, we got two duplexes. I mean, and what I'm looking at here, and so far, my numbers have been pretty accurate from the past two deals I've actually gone through. But it's so funny. Like, you call me, like, you give me all these amazing stats, and then you're like, so what do you think? And I'm like, you know, like, in Half-Baked, when he's like, Go. No window, love. Go. Sell. Like most of the time when you call me, you like give me this whole like presentation to try and sell me on it. And I'm usually just like, JJ, do the numbers work? And you're like, yeah, you know me, pretty conservative, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, JJ, do the numbers work? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, buy the deal. You know? And it was the same thing. Like you were trying to like tell me about all four different doors. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do the numbers work? Do the numbers work? And I think we came up. They were listed for four hundred. Yeah, and then what did two, we two hundred a building? Two. They wanted it as a package deal, mm-hmm. and this is going to come up later on because that's interesting. Yeah, and they wanted four hundred on the dot, and we knew that we were going to have to come in over, but we got countered, right? So what did we come in at? We offered four twenty-five. Yes. So we did twenty-five thousand over asking. And then we did a, an escalation clause of we would outbid the highest offer over $2,500 up to $450 max. Right. So, so explain, meaning, that again, explain that again. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So our initial offer was 425000 Right. If there was another offer that came in at you know 425000 as well, which is what ended up happening... Then our offer automatically becomes 
$427,500. So do you want to discuss like how your offer is pretty much private between you and that seller? Like they can't say to us, we got somebody at 426. You want to do 427? Correct. Like you put in and everything's pretty much blind. And then the, and then the, because the buyer doesn't have to take the highest offer. Correct. Like they can take whatever offer they think is best with all the different clauses. But yeah, essentially we were like, our top line is really 450, but we're going to tell you 425. And if somebody hits 425, we'll go up $2,500 until we hit our actual cap. But the buyer, but the seller didn't know what our actual cap was. That's why we have an agent who legally knows when she can disclose that $2,500 jump. Correct. Right. But like, yeah. If we went up twenty five hundred, the the buyer can't say, "Oh yeah, I have another one that's twenty five hundred to keep pushing you up." Right? Yeah. They ha- they'd have to show an offer in paper that matched ours to take in that escalation cost clause. that was signed on the date that we sent in the offers. Right? Like they can't make up another deal because like it has like they you sign yours through Dot Loop and everything. Mm-hmm. So you have to see the actual offer and then you check the dates. At least I do this. I don't know if realtors do this, but. I always, whenever I send the offer, I want to check those dates and when they were signed. And if it was signed, let's say, you know, what I got the deal and everything, and then they send me that de- that offer and that offer was signed the day of that I knew I got the deal. I was like, well, no, that ain't right. You know, yeah. that means you didn't send in the offer whenever, whenever everyone else sent theirs in. So you made this up. So now I'm overbidding just to up, you know, so there's there's ways to check that to make sure that they're honest. And that's um, we, that's not the first time we've done that. That's Correct. and we've done that a couple times. Like we will go, we're we're gonna offer this, but said to our agent, we are authorizing you to go up by twenty five hundred dollars to a certain cap. And the reason we do this is because of the the era we live in in real estate. You know, yeah. like there's we always know, at least in Kansas City, when we find a good deal, and I wait to find a good deal. I'm pretty. I will say I'm pretty patient on finding a good deal. And I know when I find a good deal. So whenever I know I'm going to make an offer, I know there are probably a hundred other investors who found the same deal I did and they're about to do the same thing. So I, and the good thing about this is I used to do this all the time in construction. You know, I, I put bids together for construction and I got to put my best number forward if it's, an, if it's a job, aka a deal that I really want. So that's kind of, you know, the mind frame you have to think of going into this is put your best number forward, but also have strategies you know, for example, that escalation clause of overbidding the highest bid up to a certain amount to kind of help you out there. Now we put in our offer and we like, we were getting anxious. Like, I want to know, I want to know. And I had a wedding. Mm. So it's funny. I wonder (laughs) if our memories will be the same here, but I remember it was pouring rain at this wedding. So you call me, it was loud. I knew there was going to be something about the house. So I went out into the rain and I like answered like, hey, what's up? And then you started to do the old, okay, so here's what they offered. Here's what we can do. And it's fucking, it's pouring rain on me. And I'm thinking to myself, just take a pause so I can cut you off and say, do the numbers still work? Do the numbers? So you went through this whole thing and I was, do the numbers still work? Well, yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's not, the, do the numbers work? Yes. All right. Call me back. Bye. So what was that offer that they came back to us with. So in the grand scheme of things, now knowing what I know, I know why they asked me this. So they came back to counter my offer and they said, it's between me and another offer 
that uh, it's between our offer and someone else's. We have the exact same, and we offered the four the twenty five hundred over. The difference that made between the two was they wanted a credit of an appraisal amount, meaning if we purchase these properties for four hundred twenty five thousand, it'd be what two hundred twelve thousand a building or whatever. Yeah. They wanted to say that if after appraisals go through, if appraisals say that, you know, the buildings are only technically worth 205 a building, they wanted me to give them a credit to say that I'm willing to overpay for this property by so much. Why so is it they, why is it important that why is it important to come in under appraisal or at appraisal? It's built in equity. No, but what I'm saying is, why is that a deal breaker as far as the bank is concerned? Why does the bank come in and appraise that property? That was something I didn't know as an early real estate investor. And I didn't really know until I was trying to sell my house last time. And I was selling my house way over what my realtor thought it cost. And they said, Brad, yeah, you can get an offer all day of a million dollars for this little house. But if it doesn't appraise, you're screwed. Why would I be screwed there? Because the lenders are not going to lend you that money. Like yeah. the lenders are only going to lend you a percentage loan to value of whatever the value of that home is, considering whatever the appraisal says it's worth. So you can have a shed, right? You can't say this shed is worth $500,000 and your buddy say, I'm going to buy it, but I need to get a mortgage. Like the bank is only going to lend people enough money to meet, because I mean, they're pretty much using your house as collateral, right? Correct. So they're not going to lend you $500,000 on a $100,000 house. They're not going to do it because if you default, then they're effed. So that was something I didn't know early on that, like, why does it matter? Like, why would that clause even care? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's protecting the bank's, the bank's money. Right. You know, they, they can't lend you money on, you know, whatever the, uh, whatever value people are willing to pay. So anyways. I said, I'm not losing this thing over five grand, JJ. Do the deal. Yeah, so we agreed to say the five grand was going to be our, our, you know, what we would cover if the property would happen to underappraise. And the reason I did that was because knowing what I could ask for in rents, we were still going to cash flow so much money for these for this this deal. So fast forward, we an hour, we, yeah, we so we get the deal. Uh, realtor calls me back. She says, "Hey, we got it. We're, we're good to go." And I just, I'll lose it. I was like, thank God. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Call me back. I'm got, inside the wedding. Yep. And I was like, dude, we got, I was like, I believe I said, we got this mother effer. I think that's what my, what <laughs> no, my you, first were. you did the old, like, sorry. Oh, Brad. I did. I did do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, Brad. You know, like we knew it was going to be tough. And, uh, and I was like, I'm like, what? I'm at the wedding. I can't hear you. You're like, ah, oh, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like standing around like in like this little circle I don't know. We were doing some good vibes and, and everyone's like, sees me on the phone, like all secret service over here. And then they're like, they're all like kind of staring at me and Tyra standing right next to me. And I'm like, I look over and I'm like, I got the house. I got, everyone's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? So yeah, that was pretty exciting. I didn't even care about the wedding after that. Yeah. And I actually took my brother to our local bar and I probably drank way more than I should have that night because I was excited. You know, Call it was that a, a Tuesday. <laughs> oh man! Well, no, you know, it was a it was a big deal because one, you and I, the podcast, got a got a property, got two properties. 
but also is the largest deal I have ever done, you know, as a real estate investor. I mean, we're talking, you know, what was the deal we actually got? What was the deal they accepted? It was for $427,500. Right. So yeah. that, that, that 120, uh, that 425 plus, plus 2,500. Yeah. Right. Cause someone else also offered 2,500 over or yeah. 25,000 over. Right. Which was kind of my thought process. I knew somebody would at least offer that. So, right. um, and there was other deals on there as well, but not like, not like ours. So anyways, um, fast forward even more, you know, we party, we have fun. I may have done some not good things and that night. And, uh, so the next step is to get inspections scheduled. Uh, we get inspections scheduled and this is kind of the real kicker. Bad news really starts happening of the story. And we, I think it was inspections were on like a Tuesday or something like that, or maybe a Monday morning. We had a bad feeling because both duplexes on MLS were listed with the same pictures and everything. We went to the street view. The street view of one of the duplexes was different than the one they posted on the MLS. And, and, and here's to back up a little bit. This all happened within a day. Right. Uh, like us, us making the yes. deal and everything. This was like Thursday the, to Friday. I was at the wedding Saturday. We got it. And Monday, we're on the phone. The listing agent said no one's able to view the property because of the amount of offers that are already coming in. And they just couldn't figure out times to manage for the tenants to come With in tenants, and whatever. Yeah. So I was like, screw it. How bad could this really be? Let's say Brad, I even, I even put like people are in. living right. I, the way I thought about it was people are living there. How bad could it be? Like if it had been vacant or if people had been squatting there, like people live there. So we but were not like only that. Yeah. Not only that, I even put money in. I put a D I put like, I think like 15 or $20,000 in just for repairs of like, what ifs? I didn't even know we were going to need to do that. Right. I, this is how conservative I am though. I did that to yep. say, there's people living in it. I know we're gonna have inspections. We have four different doors. That's four different toilets. That's four yep. different, you know, everything. So I was like, let's just throw cash at this thing, and at least we know we have a, a nice little, uh, you know, uh, bucket here. You like threw in everything. You're like, and Brad, I took out yes. twenty five dollars in case there's a gopher problem in the backyard. <laughs> like, what, like, like, really? How many properties have gopher issues? You know, <laughs> Bill Murray would tell you those damn gophers. Yeah, those damn gophers, dude. <laughs> So, you know, I felt I even I felt very comfortable with this deal because I was I had all the I's dot and T's crossed. Right. So my inspector shows up and um this is the first time we're seeing the insides of the units. My realtor walks in and she sends I was like, Hey, this is what she does for me too when she goes to look at a property. It just happened to be this time when I was we were doing inspections, but she always does videos and I say, do videos, turn on all the lights, check in the bathrooms to go like, look at everything and look at foundation. I want to see everything. I'm like, I want to see like, I'm show me the AC units, all that. So she knows to do that for me and she does a really good job. Well, then she sends me these videos and it's the day of the inspection and I look at it and I'm like, this is my face as I'm watching the video. Sorry, people that are listening, but. <laughs> literally i'm just in shock yeah and Complete. you t- and you call me and tell me this and i'm like jay i'll bet I'm like come on i did i send you the videos i can't uh-huh. remember uh-huh. yes i did i was like just wait dude i was like not for work bro not for work i'm working it was, it was horrible i mean we're talking piles Don't of even, like uh, 
no, I gotta say it, of like dirty you like poopy baby diapers, as well as used things that women use during the time products. of the month. Yeah. Feminine products, yes. Like just piled up in the bathroom. But again, that's not even a bad that's not over even that bad. the over the toilets and over the sinks and But but listen though, like that stuff can be cleaned up. I know because I know there's probably people listening to be like, oh well you just clean it up and you're fine. No, but like no. these are people still living in this. These are tenants using it now. I used Not to watch that, that show Hoarders on That's TV. That's what it was. And I, and I was like, there's no way that like people literally have a path that they like a path through every room mm-hmm. and then every inch of the rest of the house. That's exactly what it was. It was and not only that. There was like a wall of garbage that she was walking through. There was and the mold. thing in the bathroom, the thing in the bathroom was the cause you called the inspector and you're uh, like, yeah, he left right. a couple of things out. He's like, like that he should have been able to inspect, but he couldn't. And we're like, come on, man. Like, it looks like you did. And he would like, he's like, here are the pictures of the things that I couldn't inspect past. Yeah. And I'm like, you like for him to inspect it, he would have had to move all those dirty diapers and he would have had to f- take a shovel and like shovel stuff out to just even get to these certain spots. I mean, it was it was horrible. Ah. But I'm I'm literally sitting here watching this and I'm like, holy crap. But like, here's another thing though. I, here's kind of like I'm still have my investor hat on, and I'm like, okay, no big deal. You know, we'll get this tenant situation figured out. We'll go in, we'll clean it up, and we'll make these things look brand new. But then I'm also like, well, hang on. It's going to cost me at least a thousand bucks to get this cleaned up, if probably more. Because it's Dude, bolt- it would have okay, been a 25 yard dumpster. Easy. Here's the other thing it was both, no, it was both units. Right. That we, they were well, family sent, members. Yep. He sent us the one unit. We're like, Oh, don't don't tell me the other one's bad. And like, hold on, we're heading over to her sisters or her cousins or something like that. And we were like, oh, they're related. Yeah, and it was just as bad. So yeah. there was walls that were caving in. There was mold. There was uh, you know leaks happening that just weren't taken care of, and that were like holes in the wall. Yeah, things yeah, above holes. the cleanup. Yeah. Yep, holes in the ceiling. I mean, there was thousands upon tens of thousands of dollars worth of work the on this back property. upstairs like deck because it was like almost like yes. uh it was two floors like almost like a townhouse kind of if it, if you think i'm like like you walk in and the whole upstairs deck was pulling off the house like yeah, it was bad and this was the one that was on mls that didn't have any photos no photos so so that that leads me to the other thing so the other unit next door my realtor said she was talking to those tenants and those tenants were like we are shocked that that other building got sold where she's like the guys are like i'm surprised somebody's actually buying that thing well we didn't know it was you know i didn't know it was that bad so here's the other thing with this brad and i what we were doing to get these duplexes we were paying a premium you know we were paying top dollar it's on the mls and the competition that's out there on the mls is every other investor is looking on the mls as well so when there's a deal like that pops up you have to pay top dollar for it yeah so me thinking we about knew that, that like, and my, me coming at you like because you are so conservative, and I was like I was the bad devil on the shoulder. Like, is it a bad deal now? But in five years we can make it a good yeah. deal. Like I was trying to come up because I'm super excited. This is my first deal, and this is what people might they might get excited and let emotions get into it. And you're like Brad, I'm not risking all of the what ifs. I'm not going to do that. And we. I kind of talked you into it like, you're like, oh, maybe we could do this. And I ultimately left it in your hands because you knew more than me. And it, we just, we weren't sure because we were looking, I don't know. 
I mean, so first, let me be honest with you, like my gut the whole time since I saw those right. videos was like, we're not buying this thing right. because it came down to, I knew we were paying a premium. We didn't have enough money to fix it. We didn't no. like, to, we, what do we figure? 50 grand to get it okay, at least okay? At least 50 grand. Hey guys, with Brad and I both being fathers, we want the best for our families. That is why recently we both signed up for term life insurance policies with Ladder Insurance. If there is one thing Brad and I don't want for our families when we leave this earth is a financial burden. We want to know that our spouse and children will be taken care of when we are gone. Ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get covered. You just need a few minutes and a phone or laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. There are no hidden fees, you can cancel at any time, and you even get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. So click the link in the show notes to get a quote in seconds. So all said and done, we had we looked at this thing and it had like fifty, sixty thousand dollars that we were gonna have to put in. And even with that, like that's how good the cash flow numbers were before. Even with that, it was still we were still gonna cash flow positive, but there was no room for error. There was every the margin was cut so thin. And I think the discussion we had, this was one of the longest talks that we had about, you know, the whole process. It was like my whole commute home and we were just kind of saying like, are we just getting scared? Can we handle the extra work? Can we handle the money? Is this deal now going to be a good deal later? Things like that. That was a tough decision for us to say, we got to let this guy go. We got to let it go. And well, hang on. It was also with that extra added money of, you know, even what if that was going to cover everything. Yeah. We also are going to have to take out time to deal with getting those tenants out. Right. And we also, with that fifty to $60,000 of money that we were going to have to spend, that's not like putting fifty to $60,000 in a property we found off market or whatever that we got a really good deal on that was going to increase the value that much plus some. No, it wasn't going to do that. We, we were going to spend fifty to 60000 Yes. Just to get the property in the working order. So one, not only it, are it we going to get- It wasn't value add. It was no. get it, get it, add, just get it to life. Yeah. There wouldn't have been a lot of value added. And it also was really hurting our cash on cash return. So the amount of cash we were going to be putting into this deal, the more I kept looking at it, I'm like, nope, it's not worth it. If the numbers do not work, do not move forward with the deal. So we ended up saying- to my realtor, I was like, hey, we've, we've talked about it. Uh, we're a little, I was a little pissed off, to be honest, that with the real, I know what the realtor did, you know, she didn't let us in because we knew we were going to see that and that unit was not worth anywhere near $200,000 because of all the work that was going to need to be done and what it looked like on the inside because the horrors right. lived there. So I was a little pissed off about that. But anyways, uh, Ariel came back and she's like, well, you technically have two different contracts. So yeah, so we went and told her like pull the plug, and she said, she was said something like on both of them, and you're like, what do you mean both of them, <laughs> right? Yeah, so she's like, you know, she, we have two separate contracts, so technically you can still buy the the other unit. That was that was nice, and that one was perfect. It would have been a great deal. It See, I didn't know that we have. had, I didn't know that we had two separate contracts. It wasn't even yeah. something that even came across my mind because. They were the sellers were so adamant from the beginning of saying, "This All is or none. yeah, we're selling both. We're not dividing these." So there wasn't an option to say F one hundred six. We're going to take one hundred eight. 
so when we were pulling the plug, I had no idea that we had two separate contracts and we had to back out of the contract. So it's now, yeah, you could tell like what she said to you because you know kind of like better. Well, it was, you know, we had a legally bounding contract for each property and we also had to do that because of lending purposes. Like we couldn't take out one loan on two separate properties. We were going to have to do two separate loans. So with that, the other one we were we wanted, we did want it. Brad and I still wanted that duplex mm-hmm. because it was nice and it would have been cash flowing nice. Mm-hmm. We would have had to wait to raise raised rents, but everything would have worked out in the end. I think the they were up in like March. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a one up. the the yeah, it was two month of months in the one that wasn't a good unit. The because essentially I think what well, happened they still, and they still cash flowed too, even at their current market or under market rents. Yeah, and we kind of know now that. Right, usually you get month to month after you live somewhere for a while, and essentially what it looks like happened was the month to monthers had been there for years hoarding it and just beating it down. The other one must have had a a turnover, a vacancy in the March time frame, and during that time frame when they were vacant, they fixed up all they fixed up the place. Updated yeah. the whole place and then posted those updated pictures before they rented out. Probably what showed what showed up on the MLS was probably the photos that they used to uh, market for you know to get people in there to rent it in the first place. That was like their advertisement pictures. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So, anyways, you know we still had this legal binding contract, but from talking to other sources and like other people that I know that are real estate investors. I kind of told them the deal we had going on, what was going, what was happening. They're like, they said from their past experiences, if a seller doesn't want to sell, they can pretty much get out whenever they want. Yeah. So it wasn't worth moving forward and threatening to go to court about everything and, you know, saying, well, we have a legal binding contract because usually it's never going to hold up. The seller is probably always going to win that. Yeah. So we decided to say, screw it. We'll take the L. We'll take this as a learning lesson. And I also vouched, vouched, is that the word? Vowed to myself, vouched to myself that I'm never going to be in this much of a hurry for a deal. That's, that's one thing I'm going to take with me from now. Like I can move quick and I, if I need to, but I feel like things can just get missed and things happen when I move too fast. Cause I'm not a, I'm real, to be honest, like, huh? I'm not like a very fast thinker. Like when I have some like this like, whole story was over the course of five days. Yeah, it was. Oh, so I mean, not even that. I was probably yeah. less than that. Like it was like Thursday to Thursday. I think yeah, we yeah, we, true. we saw it on Thursday, and it was being inspected the following Wednesday. Yeah, that's true. So that's something though. Is like I I have to, like even when I'm like and I'm pretty good with math, but even like when I'm doing a math problem, like. I'm very slow. I was always the last person to like finish taking my test in, in college, you know, and like on our timed test, failed them all the time because I'm such a slow thinker because I overanalyze everything and that's just how I am. I've always been that way. So I get stressed too when I'm in such a real hurry, but I've also learned to like, there's some things I don't have to be so analytical on. But anyways, so we backed out of the deal. We said... It's not worth it. Numbers just kept getting worse. We kept using excuses and like, well, we can do this to do this. Well, we can do this to do this. I'm like, no. Right. I said, you know what? This is enough. I know when I have too big a job. And this is another thing. 
this was going to be a big job to tackle for you and I being out of state. Could we have done it? Absolutely. And would I have done it if I knew I was going to get an extra $20,000 in equity after everything was said and done? Hell yeah, I would have done it. But that wasn't the case. We were actually probably going to be overpaying after we had everything fixed up. Do you think there was a time where, just talking in terms of like checks and balances between us, was there any time that like any conversation we had, maybe you would have went through with it? Because I feel like to the like the job and whatever, like you taught me the numbers that you knew and everything. I feel like if if we didn't have each other to bounce ideas back off of, there's a pretty good chance I would have either gone through it the whole deal and figured it out the hard way or I would have maybe accepted the other one because I was so excited. Like it might have been just me on emotions, but was there any time where we had a conversation and like you were swaying one way and maybe that that opinion or that that objective changed by the end of the conversation? I'm not sure about your question. Like if I was if it was just you, right? And I wasn't in the picture and, and you didn't have to like bounce ideas off of me or we didn't have each oh. other bounce ideas off of. Do you think you would have been in and out faster? Do you think you might have tried it? Like, was there any benefit to having a partner in this particular process with these two duplexes? I mean, it's, you know, it's nice to kind of have somebody to like talk back and forth on. Yeah. And to also know that someone else has got skin in the game with you. Right. Um, because like, I remember when I bought my first rental property, I was like, all right, if this game, this thing goes south, it's, it's all on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah, I mean that, like that helps, but it's always easier to jump off the cliff holding somebody else's hand. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, that definitely helped, but I, to be honest, if it was me by myself in that same exact deal, I probably wouldn't even have thought twice as soon as I saw what was really wrong with the units. And I would have just, pulled the plug right then yeah i probably would have so you you stuck with it a little longer and analyzed it more for the hopes that we can like land our first one well we've also been looking for a deal for a freaking almost a year now yeah so but this is the thing though dude like it's a you can't get emotion wrapped up to it right you can't right you have to look at your numbers and stick to your numbers and sometimes that's hard to do it really is sometimes that's very hard to do but omission instead of commission like there's somebody that might get that thing and the housing market could double and these people they come out looking yeah. like kings props to them but also it could go the exact same opposite way yep we said let's let's let somebody else win or lose with this we didn't want somebody to lose but you know we said we need to take ourselves out of the equation and let somebody else try and make this their best deal ever because you never know like somebody could have came in after us that has tons of property and has a little bit more wiggle room in their wins and loss column than we do. We, we're running on such a strict budget and things like that, that we have to make sure we have to be over conservative and we have to make sure that everything, I'll give you an example from the brewing industry, because this is something that like blew my mind when we were brewing, when we used to make 10 gallons at a time, right? We were adding two or three ounces to hops, uh, hops into the boil, right? And we were trying to get everything we could into the fermenter, every drop, like shaking the hose to get every drop so we'd get every bit of beer. And like if one little pellet of hop, which is like, looks like rabbit food, like fall on the ground, we'd be like, oh my God, the beer's ruined. We're screwed. M- meanwhile, 
three, five years later, we're on the brew deck on a 10 barrel system with like sacks of hops and like pellets are just freaking just flying, flying everywhere. everywhere. We're kegging beers and beers just spraying against the wall. <laughs> like three years ago, I would have cried if I saw that much beer come out of the boil <laughs> kettle. And it's, <clears throat> it's kind of like a little similar in this case where we're brewing on such a small system. We can't spill anything. We're these big wigs that somebody will make those four duplexes work for them. Yeah, it absolutely. just it just wasn't going to be us. Well, you also got to think too that I mean, we're talking that almost a half a million dollars for this deal. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of money to me. And it would have. And this is another thing that we discussed. We said if we make it work, it's still going to limit potential deals. Like, yeah, we were trying to do one door a quarter this year, and we still might do it. But essentially, this one deal would have taken the capital. We because we've communicated and we know that we don't want to be more than 50% debt to equity leveraged, we knew this was going to put us in the red. And we knew that a primary focus of ours was going to be to get these things at least to a 50-50 before we even considered another property. So that was a big deciding factor for us when we realized like how people don't want to do cash secure puts because it ties up so much collateral. Like We didn't want to make this semi okay to almost bad deal take yep. up our cash flow and miss like maybe maybe in december we're going to find the golden deals of all deals if we would have let emotions get the best of us and took taken that other one we would you know yeah i don't know there was a, it was hard to, it was hard to say goodbye but i'm glad that we did i, I mean i don't really it's been a couple weeks now i I don't really think about it like, oh, the one that got away. No, nah, me neither. It was a good riddance thing. Yeah, it was a good learning experience too, you know. I mean, I feel like every deal that I do or don't get, I learn something about. I learn something. Yeah. So like the biggest takeaway, I think, from this podcast to all the listeners out there, if you guys are still listening, is if you are wanting to get into the real estate game, and like I'm still considered a pretty beginner myself, but one thing I can tell you is just start start you know start looking at deals yeah and start making offers because no deal will ever be made if you're not making offers and every offer you make you're going to learn something in the process every property you get you're going to learn something in the process you're going to learn something that it's just like with anything in a business like you're going to you're going to miss something that you will remember next time to say oh I need to remember to check that and and you won't forget it you know what I mean? Like you, you, you make a mental note or you write it down or whatever, but there's always something that happens. I'm like, damn it. I need to make sure I don't do that next time. And I'll also say this. If you are actively seeking out real estate as an investment, to me, you're considered a real estate investor. I don't think you need to own properties to be a real estate investor because I've been dealing with imposter syndrome, talking about real estate I was just on Bigger Pockets Money, which is like a huge real estate company, you know. But now I feel like what I've learned in the process, I still went through all the things that a real estate quote investor does. So don't be discouraged if you don't have any properties. Like if you see like a real estate investors meetup, or if you see a Facebook group that's real estate investors, do not under any circumstances think that you have to already own properties or be in, in some sort of, you know, how many doors you have to be considered an investor because essentially JJ became my group, my open door. 
and taught me all the things I know because of the doors that he went through. And there's no need to feel the imposter syndrome of, I'm just like this poser that says I'm a real estate investor because I have a YouTube channel. But no, I'm, I'm in a real estate investor. I just haven't had anybody like call on me yet. I'm in the back of the room, my hand's up. Me, Brad, I'll pick me. And nobody has. And I'm glad we I'm glad we passed on it too because things happen for a reason. And like the takeaway for me was the FOMO was so real to get one. And we also see our friends in different markets that are doing very, very well and we clap for them and that's awesome. But we want we want a little piece of that action. You know, it's like when all my buddies right now, the bass are about to start running up the uh, East Coast and all you're going to see on Instagram is my buddies pulling up 34 pound bass. And if you're not at that local spot, you're like, God damn it. You, you're glad they got one, but I want some fish, you know? And that's, that's been the hardest thing for me. At the end of the day, this deal went through. JJ can still post in his Instagram bio that he has two doors. I have, I have nothing, but I'm okay with that. I really am. And this deal made me okay with it because this was the first one I literally had in my lap. And I made the good decision with you and your guidance to be like, I can let this one go and I'll get another one because mm -hmm. if you, if you keep trying you keep going and keep, they said, introducing yourself and getting, getting yourself out there, you're going to land one. Yep. Boom. I agree, man. So that's our bad news. What's that? That we didn't land the deals. Oh yeah. <laughs> that we had these properties in our hands and we lost them. No, it was, I could touch them. And the beautiful thing is you want to, here's another weird thing too, that I never would have realized. And if anybody's like thinking about this journey, there was probably a pretty good chance that I would never see that house in person. Yeah. There's probably a really, really good chance. There's, there's still probably a really, really good chance. I'll never even go to the city of Kansas city. I mean, that's a, if we, if we land a property, we're doing a podcast episode inside our first investment property. I'm flying to Kansas city. And we're doing that. But when I was 20 years old, I didn't even know that Kansas City was a real place. I heard of the Kansas City Chiefs, but I didn't like associate that to a city in the United States of America because that wasn't a real place. And now here we are trying to buy a house. And it's funny. And, and, no, you laugh, but I tell people my trying like get my friends involved in my life. It's weird. Like right now, my internet friends are my only friends. When I say when I say to like my buddy, like yeah, JJ and I like. We landed on a house where, you know, we were in contract and like, where? And I'm like, Kansas City, Missouri. And they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, Kansas City, Missouri. They're like, isn't that two different states? I'm like that's Kansas. <laughs> and then they're like, Kansas City's not in Kansas. And I said, listen, I know. I thought the same exact thing <laughs> for the first 39 years of my life. No, Kansas City is not in Kansas. And they're like, what? Well, there is a Kansas City, Kansas, but there's a Kansas City, Missouri as well. But the one that everybody knows is the Missouri. Kansas one. City, Missouri, yeah. The chefs are Kansas City, Missouri. The chefs? Oh, the Chiefs. Oh my God. Chefs? Yeah, no, their their stadium technically, yeah, it's in Kansas City, Missouri. And you have another, you have another sport. Well, uh, oh, Kansas City Royals. Mm -hmm. You also have Sporting Kansas City. Soccer team. When I was a kid, I never would have known that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals were in the same city. <laughs> Why not? Dude, 
for the same reason that I still don't know the difference between Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. Those three are tough, and I'm from the Midwest. Like, I have no idea. Yeah, those are tough. Before we get out of here, Brian asked um, a pretty good, an interesting question that we did not talk about. Mm. Did we lose any money in this process? Did we, I mean, it's pretty safe to say, did we gain any money? Did we do this all for free? No. We uh, were out about uh, around two grand. Okay. So what were those two grand that were out? Inspections. Inspections. So we, mm-hmm. one thing that we really didn't touch upon too much is you can get different types of inspections that focus True. on different areas. And we we went the full nines. We made sure that we crossed our T's and dotted our I's. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was for us was sewer inspection. We do so. I always do a typical inspection, which covers like structural and your AC and all that stuff, your roof and everything, exteriors. I do a sewer inspection because Lord knows uh, you're most likely probably going to have sewer issues. So it's good to see it, make sure those lines are clean and no cracks and no uh, nothing majorly messed up. And then we also I like to check for termites. Um, because another, that's another big problem in Kansas city is termite damage. I'm not saying I wouldn't purchase a property that has termite damage. I would, it's just, uh, you know, it's all about numbers. So yeah, you want to know about, so people would say, Oh, two grand. That sucks. Like that, that, that's terrible. That I don't have two grand to just waste on trying to buy a property, but it's an insurance policy. You can skate out on those inspections and we lost, well, we spent two grand to find out that if we didn't spend two grand, we probably would have lost 50 or 60. If, I mean, maybe more. It was, it was worth it. It was worth it. And that's something I'm glad he brought it up because, you know, there's a difference between closing costs. You're going to need some money and. When I once again, when I opened the brewery, everyone said you need triple what you think you need. This is maybe not triple in real estate, but definitely you don't want this thing to stretch you thin, and that's where it was getting for us. It was starting to stretch us thin, so we decided to walk away. Jay, do you have anything that you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, I want you guys to take this as a learning lesson. Um, I don't want you to think that every deal is like this. I don't want this to stir, you know, steer you away from not getting into real estate because. It's not, you know, not every deal is like this, but I will say that I learned a lot in this process and I learned a lot in this deal and hopefully you guys learned a lot just from our experiences and that's why we have this podcast, but I really hope that like this thing doesn't, like, I hope you're not listening right now and you're like, oh man, this is why I'll never invest in real estate is because of stuff like this. I can never do it. Like it really isn't like if you, if you think about it, if so, for example, if the numbers would have been better. Mm-hmm. and I knew we were going to do some sort of value add to this property, then I would have stuck with it, and we would have managed the project, and we would have got it done. Right. And we would have had you know twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in equity in our pocket after everything was said and done. But unfortunately, we didn't know what we were getting into when we made the offer because we couldn't look at the properties in time because everything was so fast that we didn't know that. So it's just it's part of it. Yeah. Jay, thank you so much for uh, joining me this evening. I will say I canceled on Jay tonight and then I got back into it. My grand passed away. So I'll dedicate this episode to my grand. Uh, she passed away yesterday. So I needed to get on and just like 
because I don't handle, I don't mourn well. So what's better than a couple beers, your best friend, and uh, the chat. So Boom. thank you guys so much for listening. Please let us know about any real estate that you have going on over in our Discord chat. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one.